0: Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Bridgepoint Church. Stay tuned after the podcast for a short message, but for now, let's jump right in. Well, good morning. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, I'm not Matt Spear, um, but my name is Greg Tellison. I am actually on the teaching team here, get to serve on the Dream Team as well, and um, get to fill in for our amazing pastor. Um, I don't know about you, but I am thankful that our pastor uh, teaches us every week, studies the God's Word, loves to dig in, and he always has an insight. Um, I always learn something. I always walk away with something new. that like God has spoke to me through the Scripture, through our pastor, so I just want to honor him this morning and thank and thank him for the opportunity to, to be able to speak. Uh, we are continuing with our series on Moses today, uh, but before we jump into that, I just want to remind you of a couple things. Last week, we launched Giving Hope, And uh, so we have our table in the back here where you can go and pick up a packet for our students, uh, you know, kids ranging from birth all the way up to high school. I think we've got someone that's probably 18 or 19 years old this year. And so we're going to be capping it out at 16 families. And I think we're almost there. So thank you for being such a generous and giving church. Really appreciate you for that. And um, I am going to be brave enough. Uh, there are questions. If, if you have a question after my sermon, I may or may not be able to answer it, but I will do my best. And if I can, I'll just save it for next week and Matt to pick it up. Um, but anyway, we're going to continue uh, learning about Moses. And so over the past few weeks, we've been studying the life of Moses. And so Moses comes onto the scene after the people of Israel have been enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years and they have forgotten about Joseph and all that he has done for the Egyptian uh, nation and how he rescued them and saved them. And so the Pharaoh that's in place, he is a brutal leader and he has enslaved the people of Israel and he's making them, you know, they're they're building their structures and making bricks and what have you and uh, so he's actually threatened by the Hebrew people because of how uh, big they're growing. And so he comes out with an edict that says, all the all the males that are born, just take them and throw them into the Nile. And so Moses' mom actually does that. She throws him into the Nile, but she puts him in a basket that is lined, uh, so it floats, and he floats down the river, and Pharaoh's daughter discovers him, takes him in as her own, and then uh, asks, uh, actually, Moses' mom to take care of him while, while he's growing. But he grows up in Pharaoh's palace. He learns from the Egyptians, and um, but he had, hasn't forgotten about the, his Hebrew heritage. And so he goes onto the scene. He's he's going to check things out, and then there's an Egyptian soldier that actually is beating up one of the Hebrew people. He actually pushes him off, kills him, and then he runs for his life because he's a you know he's afraid that he's going to be killed by Pharaoh because he murdered somebody. And so now he's in the desert taking care of sheep and herding, you know, shepherding flocks for about 40 years, where he comes across a bush that is burning but not consumed. And so God speaks to him through that bush and he says, I want you, I've heard the cry of my people. And I want you to remember this phrase I've heard the cry of my people, and so I'm going to deliver them. And so. Moses goes to Pharaoh, says, Hey, God wants us to go worship. Pharaoh says, I'm Not on your life. What are you kidding? Get out of here. Um, and so he comes back and they go back and forth. There are 10 plagues. And the final plague is the death of the firstborn male, uh, not just of humans, but of livestock. And we learned a great deal about that actually last week at the Passover meal. Did you guys enjoy that? The Passover meal, I actually was one of the participants. So I got to eat the Passover meal at the 915 service. So it was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, anyway, um, but I was thankful. I learned something from that. And I'll never think about the Lord's uh, table and Passover the same way again as a result. And so anyway, so... Pharaohs wakes up to find that his son, his oldest son, is is dead, um, and so he says, I just had enough, go, go, and that's where our story picks up today. We're going to be talking, actually, about the crossing of the Red Sea, and this is just a journey of faith, and so Moses has now led the people, they've taken, uh, he's taken them out of Egypt, and they've gone a day's travel to Succoth, and that's where our story picks up, but um, just want you to re- remind you that, um, that there's going to be a lot of scripture this morning, and that's not a bad thing, um, just putting it out there as we get into it this morning. But um, we're going to be reading a lot, but I'll stop along the way and just kind of highlight some things that I feel like God has been saying to me that he wants to say to you this morning. So before we read, let me pray. Father God, I just uh, thank you for your word this morning. Your word is truth. Your word is life. Just pray that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, may I decrease, may you increase, and may I get out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to be picking up in Exodus chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. If you don't, open up your app. uh, Read along with me. Um, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. And neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So I just want to stop right there. So the, the first section says that when Pharaoh let the people go, God led the people, and he didn't lead them by the shortest route. Um, one thing I love is that it wasn't Moses that led the people. It wasn't Aaron. It wasn't any of the leaders of the Israelites. It was God that was leading the people. And so they could have gone from where they were uh, were at Ramses' palace all the way up to the promised land, which was the Canaan land. They could have gone a straight path, and we learn in math that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, right? You guys know that? So they could have gone that way, but there would have been um, the Philistines, they would have encountered the Philistines, which was the Israelite enemy. And so God was concerned that if they encountered their enemy right away, if they encountered that, that they would have turned back to Egypt and just gone back to what they knew. And so sometimes God doesn't take us the shortest route to where we need to go he takes us the route that we need to go. We may be the longer route. It may be a more confusing route. It may be a route that we go and we scratch our head and say, God, what are you doing here? And that, you know, caused the people to kind of just question. And then the second is, is that there was this, uh, they took Joseph's bones with them. So the bones of Joseph. Now, Joseph was one of the patriarchs, right, for for the people of Israel. And so what that tells me is that, they talked about Joseph over and over again. They knew who he was. They knew what he'd done. They knew the promise that God gave to Joseph and that Joseph spoke to the people so that they knew that the promise of God was coming, the promise of deliverance, the promise of freedom. And so so that, that tells me, and that carried on for over 400 years. So Moses, while he was getting the people ready, He exhumed the the bones of Joseph, and they took him with them. And then the last thing is, is that they camped at Succoth and Etham on the edge of the desert. And there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night so that they had light, so that they could see and they could move about, they could do things. Now, I don't know about you, but if there was a pillar walking in front of me or going in front of me, a, a, you know, pillar of cloud by day and in fire by night, I think I might approach God in just a little bit different of a way. I don't know about you. Maybe I trust him a little bit more. Would you trust him more? Would you believe him more? Would you kind of go, whoa, this is, it kind of reminds me of the Fidelity commercial, you know, where it has that green arrow along the path. Am I the only one that remembers that? Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm thinking like, maybe I'd follow God a little closer. Maybe I'd listen to him a little bit more if I saw this pillar of cloud in front of me. Next, we go on, verse, uh, chapter 14, verses 1. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, Tell, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-ha-haroth, between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But he will gain glory for myself. But I will gain, excuse me, glory for myself. Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So there's a couple of things there. So he leads them around, and I'm going to show you a map in just a minute here. He leads them around back down to the sea. So it doesn't really quite make sense. So Pharaoh might think that the Israelites are confused. They're bewildered. They're in the desert. They're kind of just wandering and not knowing what's going on. And he's going to go after him. He says, I'm going to fer- harden Pharaoh's heart. And I know Matt actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And if you missed that message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's like the, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart here is something that, you know, yes, God did that. But also Pharaoh did it at the beginning as well. And so God didn't do something that Pharaoh didn't already do himself himself and that Pharaoh actually initiated, and so his heart was hardened, kind of. and it kind of just signifies, too, that he stiffened up. Like, he's like, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do, kind of a thing. And so so here we see that. And then there's a couple of um, cities that are named. And one of the things that when you're going through Scripture, sometimes you kind of gloss over the cities, the names of cities, the names of people, but there's always a significance to the names of people and the names of city, especially in that time and day. So pi ha is the house of Hathor. it's a deity uh, for the Egyptian gods. But it also, by the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, is uh, referred to as Herut, which means freedom. I, th- I found that that's that was kind of cool. And then Migdol means a watchtower or fortress. And then before them was Baal which is holy mountain. So in front of them, they have freedom behind them they have Migdal which means a watchtower or a fortress and then also on the way they have a holy mountain so I want to pull up this this map here just a little bit um, so you can see there's that tan line or the orange dark orange line on the top it says the, the the route to the Philistines that's where so the the people of Israel would have been on the left hand side and they if they would have gone straight to Canaan they would have just gone along the top of of the Philistine Sea, and and it would have been great and smooth sailing, except for the people that they may have encountered. That would have been the shortest route. But God took them down, so you see Succoth, and then Etham, and then Migdal, and Pi-ha-harath, and so you have you have this fortress behind you on top, on the north, Pi-ha-harath, which is freedom on the south, and that's where they would have crossed the Red Sea. So, uh, there's many different uh, suppositions about where it was and if it was the Red Sea or the Reed Sea or if it was a marsh, if it was a, it was an ocean. What we do know is, is that it was a place, it was a body of water that was deep enough to en- envelop the, the Egyptian army as we're going to read. It's not something I'm giving away the end of the story before we get there. But we do know that it was a miracle of God and we, we could see that. So... Now, let's continue reading on. So, uh, verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So, they've just lost, you know, an, in- a- an income stream. They've lost their services, their, their structure, So he had his chariot made ready, and he took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the Pharaoh's heart, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites, who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-ha-Herath. Opposite, Bel Safan. What I find interesting here is, is that you've got Pharaoh's, you've got 600 chariots of Pharaoh's army, right? And they're leading others. And so you've got 600 leading a bunch of others, and you've got 600,000 Israelite men who are ready for battle, is what they said, which I find it interesting that these are guys that have never seen battle They've been enslaved for 400 years, and all they had was a slave mentality. They had, uh, you know, that, that, um, that mentality of, like, I don't know what to do, and they weren't trained for battle. So they they see this the glitz and the glamour of the army that's coming after them. So you have 600,000 men plus women and children. So the Israelites probably numbered over a a million, million and a half of people, plus they had their livestock and their cattle and, and all of that with them. And so you've got 600 versus 600,000. And we're going to see in just a little bit that the people of Israel kind of get freaked out. They get wigged out because here comes Pharaoh after him. See, he's ready for battle. He's trained, he's equipped, and they're they're just probably carrying pitchforks and axes or whatever else that they have with them. And so they're but they said that they're ready for battle, but they're not, right? Let's continue reading. And so, and this is interesting. It's like, so this, I'm going to talk a little bit about three stages of freedom. But one of the things that I find interesting here, 400 years, they've been crying out to God, will you save us? Will you save us? I don't know about you. Have you ever been in a circumstance or a situation that you really couldn't stand, that you really didn't enjoy, that you really just wanted to get out of? Like I had a job that, I loved on one hand, but didn't love on the other, right? You know, and it was just, uh, and and so then all of a sudden, I get free of that job. I change jobs. I get a new one. And I'm thinking, you know, it really wasn't so bad. You know, I know I was taking antacids and pepsid AC all the time, but it wasn't that bad. And then my wife comes along because she remembers things from a different perspective than I do. And she goes, you don't remember how bad it was. You only remember the good things, Greg. You never remember reality. And so the the people of Israel are remembering like, oh yeah, it wasn't that bad in Egypt. It was good. We had food and we ate all the time. And yeah, you didn't remember the fact that you had to make bricks and you were building these pyramids or whatever they were building, you know. And so so they don't remember the good stuff or the bad stuff. They only remember the good. And they're like, well, it would be better if we died in Egypt. At least we'd have a grave instead of being left out here in the desert to have the, the, the birds and the vultures of the air pick our flesh off our bones and all that stuff. And so anyway, so I digress. So the, as we look at the stages of freedom, the first thing that I see here in the scriptures is that resistance leads to regret. Resistance leads to regret. The first sign of, you know, an adversary, the first sign of trouble, the first sign of resistance as the Egyptian army comes, they're regretting their choice. They're regretting that I've left. They don't remember all the bad things that were going on. They just remember it was safe. It was comfortable. It was familiar. It, it was what I knew, right? And now you're calling me to step out into the unknown, and I'm feeling a little uh, angst in that decision. And the second thing that I see here is that regret leads to resignation. We're just going to die. We're just going to die. I give up. Uh, you might as well just take me now. And, and so they, they're just, they're, they're, they feel abandoned. But yet they have a pillar before them that has been guiding and leading them. And it's like they can't see, you know, the the forest for the trees. They can't see what's right in front of them. And all of a sudden, Moses brings an infusion of hope. There's an infusion of hope. And I'm hoping this morning that I could just shake the tree just a little bit for myself and for you that, that although there might be a difficult situation going on in your life, God wants to bring an effusion of hope to you this morning. So what does Moses respond to them? He answers the people. He says, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Plant your feet. And you will see the deliverance of the Lord that will bring. he will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. We have to stand firm in God. We have to trust in him. We have to trust his promises that have been spoken over and over and over again to them. They obviously knew the promises because they brought the bones of Joseph out of Egypt with them. They knew that this was coming. And this reminds me of the scripture in Ephesians 6.10 verses 10 through 13, where Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after all, you have done everything to stand. You see, after we've done everything in our own power, after we've done everything that we know to do, God is calling us to stand. See, he wants us to put on the full armor of God, not not the bling. Not not the you know the leather and the gold and the and the metal that will protect us from the, the the adversary, but it's a spiritual armor that we need to put on. Because the devil's got schemes, the devil's got game, and he's gonna come at you, and he's gonna he's gonna lie to you, and he's gonna deceive you, and he's gonna cause confusion and doubt. But God wants us to stand firm. You see, the third stage of freedom is that we need to rest, right? Resting leads to redemption. When we rest in the Lord, and I'm not saying we go take a nap, we go lay on the couch and we just I just need to lay down for a little bit. I'm just so tired. No, it's it's that although that's not a bad thing to do. I had a nice nap yesterday. It was wonderful. But sometimes we need to rest it means lay back. It means rest in settle into like you know when you're 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 snuggling with your loved one you know you kind of lay into and you kind of feel the warmth and the embrace of that individual that person whether it's your mom or dad or your spouse or what have you you're resting in their presence and God wants us to rest in his presence this morning And that resting leads to redemption because it's in that rest that we can now see God move and God work. So let's continue on. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites, get your move on, get going. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the Egyptians So that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. See, Pharaoh hardened his heart already. He was already stubborn. He was already set in his ways. And so God is saying, look, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to show you because of his resistance and his disobedience, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do, and I'm going to deliver the people, and you're going to pass through the sea on dry, dry ground. So then we see in verse 19, then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's armies withdrew and went behind them. So you have a pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. So not only did you have the pillar of fire in front, but he split off and he went behind. So he had their front and he had their back. God has your front, God has your back. And on the backside, he had light. And, and it shone on the people of Israel, and it caused darkness to be on the Egyptians. So the darkness, so they couldn't see what was going on. And there was, there was a not understanding. There was confusion, right? And so God provides that, and he takes regret. He takes resistance. He takes resignation, and he brings it in resting to redemption. And so God, God shows his mighty power. And as we read on, verse 21 then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with all with a wall of water on their right and to their left. And so they're able, so all of a sudden an east wind comes. You've got a wall of water on your right, a wall of water on your left, and you've got dry ground below. A few years back, my family and I went on a, a science field trip to the marshes. And I don't know if you've ever been to the marshes, you, you know you've got high tide and high tide goes out, and then we've got these boots on and we're in the marsh and we're walking through it and it's kind of like your feet kind of get stuck and you're kind of walking through. but that's not what this was like for the Israelites. When the water left, it was dry ground. They were able to walk through. and it was probably spread a mile, a, mile, a half a mile to a mile wide. So enough, so that the people of Israel could get through. And they started in the second watch, which is probably about 2 o'clock in the morning. From 2 to 6, they crossed. They had plenty of light from the pillar in front, the pillar behind, and the Egyptian army was held at bay at the time. And so you've got this, and they're going through on dry ground, and it just seems easy. And they're going through, and it's amazing. It's a miracle. I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of looking at the walls going, whoa, this is amazing. And I know we've seen many depictions of this in, in the in the cinema, right? Throughout the years, they've done it. And then there's a, even a, a cartoon version through the Prince of Egypt, right? And you see the fish kind of jumping across I don't know that the fish could jump across because I think it would be too wide for them to go. But anyway, they, they get through on dry ground. When the Egyptian army finally gets to go, it's not the same for them. We read in Scripture that their chariot wheels get stuck in the mud. So the water is starting to come back up, and they're, and they're getting stuck. And they realize, oh my gosh, their God is fighting for them. Let's turn around and let's get out of here, but it's too late. was something that his people have looked back through after generation after generation, years after years. It's, it's one of the, the major incidents. A whole book is named after the exodus, after the, the freeing of the people. And, you, you know, the Bible is not necessarily PG sometimes. it's It's very hard for us to understand, but we see God's hand upon the people of Israel, and God frees them, and they walk through. It says, again... On dry ground with a wall of water to their right and a wall of water to their left. Isaiah forty-three, two says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, the flames will not set you ablaze. There are three things that three things that uh, Isaiah points back to. The first is that when you walk through the waters, they will not, uh, I will be with you. And that, that's a reference to this exodus through the Red Sea. When you walk through the waters, when it seems overwhelming, and there's so much to your right and to your left, I will be with you. The second is, when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And that's when the people of Israel crossed over the Jordan River into Jericho, being led by Joshua, who, is, who follows after Moses, when they go in to take hold of the promised land, it says that the waters will not sweep you, sweep over you. And the third is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. I was thinking about my boys and I a few years back got to go on a scouting trip. Uh, we got to go uh, whitewater rafting. Uh, on the Hiawassee. Now, the Hiawassee, compared to the Ocoee and the Antahela, is kind of a tame river. It's got ones and twos on the rapids on a scale of one to five, five being the worst, one being the mildest. Uh, The Ocoee is like threes, fours, and fives. And so uh, I've never been, I'm a city boy. I grew up, born and raised in New York, didn't do a lot of camping when I was growing up. And so we get to the river and we're, we, we set up our camp, we're there, and we, uh, we have a great night, we go, go to the river the next morning, and we're, we actually have a service project where we're moving rocks around and we're doing stuff. And the river is not above my knees, you know? It's just kind of trickling along, it's just kind of flowing. And um, what I realized, and what I learned actually, was that they release more water later in the day so you can actually enjoy going down the river. And so, um, so we were, we went down the river and it was me and my younger son, Joel, uh, we were in one kayak and then my older son and and his friend were in another and we were going down. I was a little nervous. I have to be honest. I was really nervous because I'd never been in a kayak before and going down a river by myself. Anyway, so we got to enjoy the river and there was some rapids there and it was fun. Um, And then when we got done, the river was still flowing and somebody in our our group thought it would be a good idea for the boys to take a rope, tie it on one side of the river, and swim it across to the other side of the river. <laughs> Except the river was kind of flowing. It wasn't what it was in the morning. And, uh, and so uh, as, as he got halfway across, now he's a good swimmer, but he's not that good. And so as he got halfway across, he got tired, and so he dropped the rope And uh, some kayakers were coming by. We told them what was going on. After they yelled at us for about a minute uh, and told us, what are you thinking? Uh, They went and they picked him up and they brought him over to safety. So everything, everything turned out fine. We got him back a little bit later. But when I read through this, I think about how overwhelming the waters can be sometimes. And as we're wading across the rivers, we're getting tired, you know, and the rivers are overtaking us. But Isaiah rests in the promise of God, and that promise is that when the waters pass over, they will not overtake you. They will not sweep you away. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you walked in here with. Life could be going great, and that's awesome, and praise God for that. But maybe some of you have got something that you're going through And you feel like God's taking you the long way around and you're not sure as to why you're going that way and what you're doing and what God wants to do. Well, one thing I do know is that even Jesus says, he says, I will be with you even to the ends of the earth. And God gives Joshua a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we read time and time again and we read this that the people of faith come and they trust in God's promises that he will be with us, that he will take us across the waters on dry ground. And so maybe you're holding on to something that you need to let go. Maybe you've looked back and you said, yeah, it, it, it looks good. It looks better. Um, but I want to I wanna challenge you this morning to release it. And before I do, I've got two questions of my own that I'm going to ask you. I want to open it up to any, if anybody has questions. We have questions. Why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? That's a great question. God didn't do anything that wasn't already in there. God gave Pharaoh chance upon chance. Pharaoh's heart was already hard. As you read through scripture, as you read through the different plagues, there are six times where it says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Three times he hardened his heart. Three times, Pharaoh, uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But Pharaoh hardened his heart first. He's the one who shut himself off. God makes himself, and he reveals himself to us. It's up to us whether we want to open up our heart to God. See, God could have poured out judgment on us, but instead of doing that, he sent Jesus, his son, And he poured out his judgment on him so that way I can walk in freedom. So that I can walk in the deliverance that he has for me. That I can walk in the hope. That I can stand in the promises that he has for me. See, Jesus bore my judgment. He bore my penalties. He took on my pain and suffering so that way I can walk in freedom. And if your heart is hard, God didn't didn't do anything new to Pharaoh's heart. He gave him plenty of opportunity to change. Pharaoh just decided that he didn't want it and he stiffened up and he looked a different way. And so my questions to you this morning is, what are you afraid to give up? What are you afraid to let go of this morning? Are you in a new phase of life where God is calling you to a new season to do something new? God's wanting to set you free, but you gotta let go first. My second question is, is what are you holding on to that you need to let go of, but you're holding on to it because it's comfortable and familiar? I wanna challenge you this morning, let go of the comfortable, let go of the familiar, let go of the easy way. And take God's way. It may not be the easy way. It may be more challenging. It may be scary. It may be unknown to you. But let go and allow God to lead you. Allow God to lead you through the challenging waters. And he's going to lead you on dry ground. He never promised us an easy life. But he always promised us that he would be with us through this life. So as we come, we're going to conclude our our service as we always do by going to the table uh, and we're going to take communion. And the elements are around the room. And you can take at your at your um, leisure and whenever you feel like you can and want to. And I, as you do, as you're standing, as you're sitting there holding the elements, the bread, which represents Jesus's body, the juice, which represents his blood, I just want you to ask the question, is there anything that I'm afraid of letting go of? Is there anything that's comfortable and familiar that I need to let go and give to you. Just ask God. He'll speak to you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word of truth. Thank you for an infusion of hope this morning. Lord, that you're with us, that you're leading us, that you've got our front, you've got our back, and that you never will leave us nor forsake us that you're with us even when there seems to be no way, Lord, you make a way. And so I just pray, Lord God, that you would just speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, that you would guide and direct us, that you would soften our hearts this morning, that we would open them up to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridgepoint Church Podcast. I hope we've shared something meaningful for you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Just so you know a little bit more about us, we meet on Sunday mornings in downtown Woodstock, but we also meet during the week in what we call live groups, and that's where the really good stuff happens for us. If you're becoming a regular listener of this podcast, we'd like to invite you to make it relational, just like we do during the week. Grab a Bible, invite some friends to join you, and turn this into a conversation. If you're already a regular listener and would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting us online at bpc.life and choosing the giving option that works best for you.